Hey, you got Frank from Sniper's Hide here talking to you on the Everyday Sniper Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We, big numbers stuff. We're getting closer to that 100. Uh, Mike's going to have some special codes for you guys when we hit episode 100, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, really great feedback on both the Kalen episode and the Guardian episode. Thanks, everybody, who's been responding with that kind of stuff. Um, I, I really appreciate the feedback. Uh, let me just see. We're going to go in here and check out a few of the comments, make sure we're not missing anything. Uh, <laughs> hey, what's up with you in high heels? Guys want to know if you have any more pics. <laughs> you guys are in Afghanistan, man, and you're looking for pictures of me in high heels? Come on. No, here's the thing. with the. I explained it a little bit, but the uh, high heels was a joke with me and Maxine, and, and we anticipated a barricade stage, but there wasn't a barricade stage. Um, you know, so, so, uh, the heels were for that, but she brought them. I wore them to, two stages. No big deal. Uh, any more pics? Uh, there's some pics on Facebook and on Sniper's Hide. I put some pictures up, uh, of me wearing the heels, but everybody's that, that kind of went virally funny and I'm expecting some pretty ugly memes to come out of it at some point, but Hey, I get it. Um, they're looking at implementing who's this, uh, or Oregon shooter or whatever. Um, one thing I looked at adding a tree stand. He's doing some stages, but after listening to your recent podcast, it almost sounds like a a, a barricade stage. What's your thoughts? Um, I mean, stages. What you want to do? It, it's tough with the stages. I don't know what what it is. Um, no bipod, no sling only. Part of me says a good stage setup. Let's see. I like to give this people a chance from a confined space. Yeah, it's not like a bear. I think a tree stand's a good stage. Make them go up a few feet. You know, that's one of the things. And you only have that bar for the tree stand. So that's not a bad stage. What they're going to end up doing is they're going to put their bag on it. So if you tell them no game changer bag or something like that, you're, you're going to end up. The, 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 the key to this should be, you know, mixing it up and not having it so the same solution is the answer for every stage. You know what I mean? That's kind of where things fall down is that they make it so every single stage has the exact same solution regardless of what the stage is. And, you know, it's, okay, this one I'm shooting off a three-inch piece of wood, this one I'm shooting off a one-inch piece of wood, but the solution is the same. And and that's where you want to kind of mix it up. Uh, one of the things we talked about was that gear restriction stuff and, and limiting them in various stages. This stage becomes a... Build a better mousetrap stage. This stage says how pure marksman can you be. This stage says put a magazine change in there and, and see how you do on reloads. And, and you know, it's shoot, move, communicate. And, and so that's kind of one of those things you want to focus on. But, I mean, your only limitation is your imagination. Just understand guys are going to game it. Guys are either going to use a bag or, or something like that. So you want to... Be really good with your restrictions to say so it's not answer to stage two, game changer. Answer to stage three, game changer. Answer to stage four, game changer and a tripod. Answer to stage five, tripod. Answer to stage six, tripod and a game changer. Answer to stage seven, game changer. You know, you, you that's what you want to avoid. And, and so, <coughs> ooh, excuse me. So that, that's really what we're looking to avoid there. Um, another question, any chance you can get an interview with Mike Resignio from TACOPS? Yeah, I just talked to him last night. 
I bet you I can get Mike to uh, come on and get a call in. So I'm going to be talking to Mike Resignio today from Tac Ops Rifles. Uh, Mike from Tac Ops has been around for a long time. And uh, I don't know Neil Morris personally. I was away when he was around. Terry Cross, I probably can get on. Um, I can give Terry a call and, and see if he'd like to come on. Um, you know, so I, I'll ask them. And then uh, this uh, Dune Dog, thank you for everything you said on The Guardian. Yeah, Gary rocks, man. Uh, really great stuff. Uh, thanks for keeping the language down. Yeah, I'm going to work harder on keeping the language down. Um, what do we have? Listening after reading a few forum posts. I'm interested in hearing more about the fundamentals and how to build positions with a minimalist mindset of gear. I think match directors design some stages to promote the concept would be great. Again, that right come back to what we just said. Uh, you know, I found the less was better approach for me because I'm not focusing and training on the gaming side of PRS. So when you don't practice that getting in and getting out, and and I and I'm basically just defaulting back to my fundamentals, um, squaring up, shoulders in front of the hips, recoil management, and things like that. Then putting the bag and using the balance point of the rifle. Well. Yeah, if you practice and you're kind of chasing these stages, building your own simulators at home, getting in and out, uh, you know, I, I was just kind of following and I'm going to talk really soon about the uh, Precision Rifle Expo. I was listening to Ryan Castle talk and he's mentioning that Tyler Payne is going to be there. Tyler Payne is this speed demon wizard getting in and out of position where most people will shoot a stage, get in and out of it in, in a, a tough stage or something like this he's talking about in 30 seconds, you know, you'll then get Tyler who does it in 20. You know, he's he's a fair margin above everybody because he has that ability to get in a position and get out of position quickly and get the rifle on target. Find it with your eye, kill it with the scope. You know what I mean? And that's a key element to it. So it's, it's really, it, it, it's a case of, hey, I work a job, I get to the range maybe every other week, if that, for a couple hours, and yet I have a time off and I'm going to go shoot a match, whether it's local or national. Well, you're not practicing hours a week to do this like some of these guys are. So less is better. The, the, the easier you can get in, the more you can understand the balance points and, and how to do it under time with less. You're not going to get tangled up in the equipment. You're not going to start running into problems of trying to do something you're not necessarily prepared for. So um, that's, that's definitely something uh, you want to look into with that. But uh, again, thanks for everybody who's been on the Podbean app and who's been on iTunes and all that stuff. You know, um, somebody's asking about the results of Adam's 175-308 project from Adam. I haven't seen Mike or, or Mike I saw when we did the last one. I haven't seen Adam in ages. He was on vacation the last time I was in. I haven't been over a mile high um, since getting back. It, it's been quite busy. Um, I was out on the range yesterday, had some visitors from overseas here, a company dealing with some stuff. Looking at some interesting things move for next year and moving forward and guys come over to do a little bit of uh, try and see how they can go in position. But um, I, I can't answer what Adam's doing. I, I honestly haven't seen it. Um, uh, gotta, uh, let's see what else. Frank, can you post the pick of Kalen in the sling setup? Yeah, I'll get that posted on Sniper's Hide. I have that. 
Um, so somebody's asking for the picture of Kalen with his sling on his firing hand, and he's using more of a just a simple sling in a hasty instead of a hasty around the support hand. He's more of a hasty around the firing hand. Everyday sniper section in on the sniper's hide form. Uh, we'll go in there and still tons and tons of discussion on in that section. It's actually getting quite popular with the guys to talk about the stuff we're talking about in the podcast. So I appreciate that you guys coming over and thank you for everybody's now, uh, like I had mentioned before, I've become the default complaint department for PRS, but at the same time, everybody's sending me all the pictures of like the contrived, the free recoils and, and it's funny, but it's, 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 it's what you guys see and don't like, you know what I mean? It's like, Look at this position, man. It, it, this is not marksmanship. Look at this position. This is not that. Look at this position. And, you know, for those who don't like the fact it's getting pointed out, and there's a lot out there. The guys who are doing it hate that you're pointing out that looks silly. And, hey, man, that's a person's opinion who who's doing this. That's your peers. And if our if our peer group says that's a contrived thing and that's something, well, we should be looking at changing direction on, you know, what we're doing and how it's getting accomplished. And the only way to really do that is to change the stages and to set it up so that the uh, the, the competitor can't do that or and, and that becomes a limit gear and things like that. But um, I get it. it. It's one of those deals that that um you're not going to stop at 100%. But if it was only two stages out of 20 and not 10 stages out of 20, I think you'll find a lot more positive results coming to that where people are saying, hey, that's not something that's happening in, on, on a big level. It's now reduced down to a smaller level. But uh, getting back to the fundamentals, I just got like way too many, but they're in. I got my little checklists that came in on the notepads. So um, I'm going to be at the Precision Rifle Expo, which is the weekend of the September 14th in Blakely, Georgia at the Arena Training Center. You got Phil Cashin of MPA, Ryan Castle, Brandon Zielinski, and Mark from Accurate Ordnance have put together a Precision Rifle Expo. A uh, 6,000 square foot tent, vendors, there's 42 exhibitors, and then there's a whole bunch of instructors that are going to be there. Uh, me, Scott Satterley, Tyler Payne, there's the guys, I'll have to look it up in a second, I'm going to jump over. There's the guys that are doing a reloading clinics and, and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to be able, uh, Emil, Emil Preslick, uh, who's AMU, who's doing a wind reading class, you know. All these different things for 25 bucks get you in the door. Then you can sign up for the clinic. So uh, I'm going to talk about that and go over some of the exhibitors. I, I'm going to have to try to pull my mic over here so I can read what's going on uh, and, and hopefully still get you guys to, to hear the sound. So who's going to be exhibiting? Like I said, there's going to be about 42 exhibitors in the action department for Precision Rifle Actions. You got Curtis Customs, Stiller Precision, Kelby's, and Defiance. So there'll be representatives from that those companies that are going to be there that you can actually put hands on with these custom actions. Optics. So we have Collis, Shirovsky, Schmidt and Bender, Night Force, Vortex, Bushnell. All your main players in the precision rifle world there uh, are going to be a uh, part of it. 
in reloading uh, ammo, equipment, things like that. We got RCBS, Sierra, Area 419, uh, shot with Craig. He's part of Team Area 419. Uh, Area 419 is coming on strong with a lot of stuff that they're doing. They'll be there. Federal, Burger, Lapua, Alpha, Widden Gunworks, and S&K, or SK. They're going to be there. So you you got, I mean, you got great players happening at this Precision Rifle Expo. Uh, stocks and chassis, Manners, MDT, McMillan, and Masterpiece Arms. So there you got that for stocks. For electronics, we got Magneto Speed and Kestrel. I understand Kestrel's going to be putting on a class as well. So there's that. Support equipment, which is bags and tripods, your nylon and that. Armageddon gear, of course, that's their backyard. Tom Fuller, Missy Gilliland, really right stuff will be there. And Coltac. Coltac, uh, uh, again, is another good player in this space. He, he's building some really great equipment out there. Uh, and Armageddon gear uh, does support the game changer and stuff. Yeah, Reasoner goes through Armageddon. Rifle builders, Voodoo rifles, so your 22s. GA Precision will be there. McWhorter rifles, uh, Accurate Ordnance, Bastardpiece Arms, Kelby's, West Texas Ordnance, and Barrett will be there. Triggers, Trigger Tech and Timney, your two main players in the precision rifle world uh, in competition shooting that we deal with. Miscellaneous is going to be uh, worn scope mounts, proof research barrels, rugged suppressors, Knight's Armament will be there, uh, Atlas B&T Industries will be there, Hunt's Long Range will be there. So all this is taking place that weekend of the 14th, that's 15 and 16, two days, Saturday and Sunday, Blakely, Georgia, I'm flying into Atlanta, we're going to go down there, now let's see uh, what the class is that, that's going on, okay? So here's the classes, we got precision hand loading, that's going to be Troy Lawton, wind reading is going to be Emil, great dude, I, I tell you what, I watched him religiously at King of Two Miles with Team AB, he's a Team AB shooter, like I said, AMU unit, and he's he's all in that space. He is amazing with the notes and the cards and things that he does. He's an attention to detail guy, so it's something to go on. Position building, Tyler Payne. No matter the situation, competition, recreational, tactical, good solid positions, Tyler Payne, man. I like Tyler. Tyler's a great guy to talk to, real low-key dude, uh, all that. Uh, Kestrel people are going to be there. For marksmanship and long-range shooting, there's myself. I'm going to do a fundamentals of marksmanship class. I'm going to be bringing my checklist. I will give you a checklist, man. Like, let's see what you got. Let's see what's going on. Here's what I see. Here's something you can go home and work on. And Scott Satterley is going to be doing that, uh, essentials to long-range. So he's going to be doing another level of basics. I'll work on you. He can work on some of the other elements. And then intro to competition with William Pace. Um, help you get started in PRS, man. Uh, you know, or any kind of shooting like that. NRL PRS, it's, it becomes, it's become the verb. You, you know what I'm saying? The class schedule is there. So, uh, win reading, position building, fundamentals, it's all on the website. It, it, it's all there. And then you can just accommodations for this event. So there's the days in, budget in, Econo Lodge, Comfort, all this stuff. And that's in Blakely, Georgia. You got uh, there's stuff in uh, Donaldsville, Georgia, and, and, and things like that. Uh, and then event registration, there is a PrecisionRifleExpo.com website. 
There's some Facebook stuff. There's a link for class signups. Here's the thing. If you pre-register the event, it costs $25 to get you in. And it's not an additional money to take the classes, okay? You're in the door. You can go to the clinics. How awesome is that? When has that ever been done before? Oh, man. That's crazy, right? You, if you pay at the door, it's 35 bucks, Dude, this, this is where are you going to have these people and, um, you know, uh, all that stuff. So we, where are you going to have access to these people for $25? Nowhere on the planet. I mean, all, all these guys are, are big name, command a real price tag, you know, when they teach a class separately and you're getting it for $25, $35. I mean, that's just nuts right from the beginning. Um, then what do we got? Access to all the exhibitors in the main tent, range locations. There's four ranges going to be live, all going on. Oh, hang on a minute. I got Resignio calling now. Uh, I'm going to have to go in and do a little edit. Got an important call in the middle. That was Mike Resignio. Uh, I asked him about doing the podcast for the guy who asked. Yeah, he's going to do one with me, a little call in. So I'll get Resignio to do a, a podcast. So there might be a little weird edit spot in this, but don't sweat it because I think I didn't hit the pause. And it was playing, so I may have to play around with it. But yeah, so this Precision Rifle Expo over in Georgia, if you're in that East Coast area, if you're within driving distance or something, and you want to get hands-on with stuff in a unique experience, I highly, highly, highly recommend you come out to this expo. I, I, I Honestly, I think it's going to be a, a way to, to do business moving forward. Uh, these companies are now going to be on the cutting edge of this because this is something new. Uh, very similar, I guess, like Rainier does Trigger uh, TriggerCon in the West Coast. But this is going to be a precision rifle version of it. Or look at it this way. You're going to be doing a SHOT Show without the BS and going straight to what you want to look at. So it's it's something that you, um, you know, that, that if you're interested in a precision rifle... It's a way to get on it and, and to do it. So, boom, there you go. Uh, the Precision Rifle Expo, the weekend of the 14th in Blakely, Georgia at the Arena Training Facility down there. Uh, again, um, you know, it, it's 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 all there. And uh, there's going to be rifles and stuff on the line. It says at the Precision Rifle Expo, there will not be personal firearms allowed on the ranges. They'll have rifles and stuff for you to shoot. I know I'm going to be, I have a Kelby's Knicks here. Um, guns are hammers, man, uh, like I said. And what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to bring that with me because Kelby needs that stuff on the line and I have their demo gun right here. So that's that kind of stuff going on. But uh, definitely think about that kind of stuff. Uh, give us some feedback on, on what's going on. Well, one of the other things I want to kind of change direction and, and, and go off is, and, and it's kind of new because I just got in, I got in a bunch of new stuff, man, uh, between Night Force and Schmidt and Bender. And, and, and honestly, everybody knows those are my top guys. I, you know, I'm, 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 the, I'm the super fan of those companies. But between the competition reticles and the uh, stuff, how to change up reticles, I got the new Schmidt and Bender LRR reticle. And I really, really like what they did in the center section of that reticle. One of my complaints with some of the reticles, and, and I like less, you know, less is better to me. I just had this conversation yesterday. Uh, reticles were a huge topic of discussions because uh, Europe does things different than we do. If you look at the LRR, there's a big 
component of it that's ranging, okay? Because in Europe, they still put a focus on reticle ranging where we don't. We're used to going lasers and different things like that. So with some of these reticles, you got that center cross and then it goes to like a 0.7 mil that come my Night Force mil R's and things like that in my Schmitz, the MSR's. Well, now floating dots have become more popular. I really like the floating dot concept, uh, the way they're doing that. But usually it's the same thing. You got the floating dot, you got a little bit of a gap, and then it goes to more or less a solid reticle, and then they throw in a whole bunch of point twos in there. Well, what Schmidt did with the LRR is you got the floating dot, a point one space, Point one slash point one space, and it breaks that up finer without kind of getting in the way or looking too cr- uh, clu- uh, cluttered. I, 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 you know, I think first impressions matter because it's telling us what our brain does. And going over some of the stuff with reticles, I'm looking at these schematics, and, and so many people like Christmas trees. I see that th- there's there's a school of thought better to have it than not, and, and I get that. And, but I find some of them are way overdone because you go all the way up to the one mil mark on a Christmas tree. Let's go one mil down from center. Well, one mil for most of us is 300 yards. 0.8 to 1.1 is your 300 yard. What's your, what's a 10 mile wind? Like 0.2? You know, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. If If you think about if you're, if you have a, a six, seven mile an hour gun. Let's go five mile an hour, uh, you know, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6. So that would be a five mile an hour wind is like 0. 0.3 if that. I mean, it's usually a little bit less. It's so close, but it's it's right there. One, two, 0. 0.3. That's usually edge of plate. So even if we say a 12 mile an hour wind is is a half mil, you have the, the Christmas trees that put that all the way out to like three mil, you know, two, three mil. Um, I'd have to pull up a schematic. Hang on. Let's see if I can. Yeah, I mean, a, like a lot of them go to like point or go to two to three mil long with that line. In me, I would say at one mil, you should only have like a one mil reference point. You know, try to be practical in this. And I honestly wouldn't go below 12 mils. Because then you start messing with power and all that. To me, a 12 mil, it, that'll get you anything out to 1,000 yards with like a 308, right? Which, you know, okay. But a 308, 175 going 2650, you know, that's like any at sea level is from 10.5 to 11.5 mils. So if you go to 12, that's it. So you can actually reduce the clutter on some of this and be successful and not take away from the ability to hold over. I mean, rather than just kind of saying, let's put this giant pyramid underneath because that's what people want, why not think about that in practical terms, okay? And because our eye is drawn to a clean, defined center, and less is actually a little better when it comes to our brain in in going speed-wise, if we drop that down and eliminate it where you don't really start doing your windage out there until like that two mil mark, because then you get into the, the five, four, five hundred yard mark. Then you can go out to like one, one and a half mils. Okay. Start at one and a half and start coming down from there, but go out in a way that actually makes sense. You don't need to do wind dots. You don't need to do this. You can use something and say, 
what's one of the worst bullets out there that I could do? You can even do a 223. Okay, what's a 223's wind at 1 mil? It's not much at all. It's it, you know like I said, it's probably going to be a half the point 6 at a, on a bad day, right? And really, why would you be holding off and in, in, in doing all that? I mean, you could because it's close. It's a danger close thing. But why would you need any more than that? I mean, especially if it's minute a man where it, it's it's your personal danger space. My personal danger space where I have to hold to that degree is 600 meters. That's how it worked in the military. That's your danger space. And so that's where those snapshots come to play inside 600 meters. Now, for ELR and shooting off, I would say to you, yeah, there, there are times because of the way the rifles are set up, we have to hold. We don't have enough elevation. But at the same time, distance should give you time and opportunity to set that shot up perfect, okay? And to me, compromising you, you, by holding over that much or into space is, is never right because then if you're at the very bottom of your, your ELR shooting, okay, you're at the very bottom of your glass, and now you, the odds are, with ELR especially, you may hit low. There's a huge, 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 huge chance you're going to hit low. You're not going to see it because you're at the very bottom of your scope, okay? So it's not conducive to good shooting. It's more or less... I got to get something there. But honestly, why would you? It, it, it's crazy. You know, it, it's it's nuts to be holding that far down. At that point, we're really just screwing around. We're playing a game and we're not being too serious with it. I, I am talking with manufacturers. It's there's there's a there's true statements in the fact that the center third of your scope is the sweet spot. You risk distortions. You risk all kinds of stuff. And these guys admit, I mean, I'm talking with scope people. And they're saying, yeah, you really don't want to play around in there if you don't have to. And and I was just on the phone with, with uh, um, you know, another guy here who does some training and teaches that stuff. And he's doing, you know, long angle and all this other. And they're finding the holds are not holding up well in the mountains, you know, it, it, especially at extended distances, he's telling he's telling me some of these guys aren't 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 getting the success rate you would hope, and and that's because of this mindset of hold everything, even when it's so far away. I mean, the way I look at it is nobody's winning an F class match holding. Okay, they're dialing to center and then they're doing the little bit of windage on either side of the X ring. It's it's just the wind that they may be playing with just a little bit. And they're trying to be in the middle as much as they can. That's the sweet spot to hit a half minute X ring. I take a cue from them. Okay. That's where I want to be. If where the snapshots come in is the urban situation and, uh, and those urban engagements are 400 meters and in. And the biggest problem is I come around a corner and the next block away, that guy comes around the corner the same time. So I'm going to snap and hold, but it's a big target now. We're talking like 4M away of elevation in the torso. And and so that's that's part of my mindset is I really think we need to do a, a, a minor, and I'm talking minor, a minor shift in reticles just to clean that up a bit. 
because I think we can do a better job of it. And, and, you know, talking with these guys and talking with Mark, and I'm actually in the process, I'm going to be redoing my PowerPoint. People don't know their scopes as well as you think they should. Oh, my God, more distractions, man. I got to go clean this all up now because everybody's calling and it's all like stuff you can't blow off. Freaking aggravating. Anyway, I, I, I really think we can do a little bit better in some of these reticles. And, and, and like I said, I get it, have it, but don't, you know, have it. It's better to have than not need, you know, that or need it and not have it. And I get that part of it. But at the same time, we can clean it up to help make it a little clearer because it's amazing how many people, even in class, I notice that consistently do their scopes wrong and they don't step up and say, I don't understand this because we're dudes. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, nobody wants to stand up in front of a class of alpha males shooting precision rifles and say, I don't understand how to use my scope. So it's sort of my job to see that ahead of time and try to fix it and, and, and without them having to ask. And so that's the thing I'm working on. And part of it is these reticles are confusing a lot of people. And they don't get it. Or they re they read they have to have this and they have to do that. And you don't. Okay? Get them clean. Get, give yourself a good defined center aiming point. But at the same time, you can give that holdover ability without distracting and cluttering it up, making it simple. I, I, I mean, I like I said, I used to teach the Horus at Rifles Only. We did it. We were one of the first guys to do it until we dropped it. And, um... Seeing the seeing people who who will go out and buy it and think it's a magic solution, they always hold the wrong line under time and pressure. It's it's almost a given guarantee because we got a grid right, and your brain's not a fan of the grid. And now to go down and say, okay, there's X amount of dots, slashes, spaces, lines, hash marks, and all that in there. You now need to find four point two, seven point one you know, 6.5, and, and when there's, you know, a, a huge combination of options, it's not quite as simple as that. You you have to have a method of doing it. I like to slide over with my wind on that main one and then slide up to my horizontal. So what I'll do is I'll, say, I'll, I'll go center hold on a target. Then I'll say, okay, I'm going to hold a mil and a half of wind. I slide over to my mill and a half, and then I go straight down to where it lines up to my my um my elevation that I need for a hold. So you know maybe it's it's six two for eight hundred yard shot or something nine hundred yard shot. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide over one and a half, and I'm gonna slide down to six two. But think about that a nine hundred yard shot. You know even if there's a, a spot for it there. I have to make sure I'm not in a place of distortion, in a place of, you know, could be Snell's Law, could be a light thing, it could be anything that could, and now compound it with the, that edge of the reticle, and, and you start, or, you, or the, the scope, you know, the, the, the prescription in there where the distortion starts, and especially on cheaper scopes, man, cheaper scopes are not cleaning that distortion up like you think, so I don't know, it, it was a great, great line of discussion yesterday i mean we spent all day just talking scopes reticles shooting them playing with them trying different methods with them <laughs> it was funny i had that valkyrie out yesterday and the winds were cranking we needed um at 11 25 with a 308 i needed 
uh, God, what was it? Something like five mils of wind on my, on my range with a 20 inch 308, the guys were shooting and it was nuts just how much the Valkyrie at 500 yards was point of aim, point of impact. And I was holding like 1.2 wind with the 308 for the same target. But the Valkyrie inside that six, like I said, was straight down the pipe. And I was like, wow, that's kind of weird that it's straight down the pipe like that. But once you cross that 600, then it opens up pretty crazy. But the Valkyrie is just a, a a great little round that I'm still playing with, and and um, I'm looking forward to shooting some more with with that. Uh, the guys with Canada, yeah, the, uh, a lot of questions have been coming up. Not to change directions, but it's next weekend. I am going to Canada next weekend. It was a last minute thing through Insight Arms. Uh, it's more of like their core little group of shooters, and they asked me to come up to put on a clinic. Uh, you know, so we will be doing more. The schedule's going to come out in October, one month until I finish my block of training. Um, and then I'm going to announce 2019. I got a lot of options for 2019. I got to get the calendars out. I got to start scheduling everything because it's filling up fast already. So I'll make sure I get that for you guys and, and you'll know. Again, I'm getting texts and emails about it. Hey, there's a rumor you're going to Canada. Yeah, there is. And I apologize for the the last minute and I didn't promote it because, like I said, it's this core group of people who wanted to do some stuff. And it was like, hey, come up, hey, come up, hey, come up. Okay, when? Now? All right, let's go do it. And then I got my final class in Alaska. So this month is Canada, come back three days later, Georgia, Precision Rifle Expo, come back. A week later, Alaska, come back four days later after Alaska, Mile High's last class, and, and so that's everything going on with my schedule. So if you if you see this sort of intermittent, hit and miss nature of what I got going on, it's my travel schedule's just blowing up for the end of the season here, uh, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. And then I got a gun site trip I got to take in October, uh, some stuff going on there. But anyway... Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys. Have a good Labor Day weekend. We're coming up on Labor Day. Uh, Go out and shoot some stuff and really enjoy it. And just look at these things. Look at your reticle. What's your first impression? Look at how you hold it. What's your method of holding off like that and holding on? How do you see it? How much wind are you actually using for these closer targets? And maybe it's a way to talk to these manufacturers to say, when you do a Christmas tree, Started at two and a half, three mils, and not necessarily right up there at that one mil mark with, you know, two and a half mils of windage at the one mil mark. When are you going to use that? I really don't think you're going to. You know, I, 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 I can't think of a time that I would need two and a half mils with one mil hold over right there. I mean, I guess unless you're going to do an ELR stuff, but even that would probably be out a lot further And so you're better off dialing yourself into the center. And if I can dial myself back in and just have a one mil, that's going to save you one and a half mils of clutter, okay? And if the gap is only one mil wide, you can see right above it and be right in the middle right there to hold. And and, and you can see. The thing is, you got to be able to see these small splashes. You got to be able to see your miss. And if they put too much clutter in there, you you have a good, good chance of missing it. And especially, you know, under recoil and different stuff, you got to make sure your position's good. Um, you know, with the ELR stuff, I think you're much better off if you're going to anticipate needing to hold 
getting a second focal plane scope, half the power, doubling your holds that way, and then and then gaining that much more elevation inside the, the center one-third of your optic rather than a front focal plane. And, uh, you know, it's amazing even with like different manufacturers coming in, and I've talked to a whole bunch of them lately, uh, it, it's it's amazing how they always talk about the difficulty in building a front focal plane scope. And that's why they're so expensive. But the second focal planes are considered more bulletproof. You know what I mean? And for your your magnums and your big ELR guns, you're a little bit better off going second focal plane. It'll give you that extra elevation you need without having to be down at the bottom of your, your, your uh, sight picture. You know what I'm saying? They just, like I said, play around, think about it. Give me your feedback. I mean, maybe I'm off base and maybe you're saying, no, man, I want it all the way across. I like the horse with everything in there. I like the fly swatter look, you know, in, in the grid and it lets me do whatever the heck I want. But, you know, maybe you're that kind of guy. I don't know. But for me, I like less is better. You know, I can do everything the Horace guy can do. I understand that those lines travel all the way down and there's an invisible grid in there. You know, there, there, there was one reticle I saw that's almost like a vortex that has more of just the sort of very light, thin, small reference dots that are just giving you points. And, and it made the site picture much cleaner while giving you those reference points that people are looking for. Uh, windage wise when you're when you're holding down that far but distance is supposed to give you time and opportunity man i want to dial myself as close to the center as possible and if, and if i'm playing the, the the overhold over game then probably i'm playing a game and it's not really that important you know what i mean so just my thoughts on on, on the situation i'm trying to be practical instead of just repeating the same thing over and over again because Product A does it, product B has to do it. Product C does it, product D has to do it. In, 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 in sort of that monkey see, monkey do mentality. Uh, I, I, I think we can clean that up a little bit moving forward. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for all the comments. Uh, thanks for the guys who are texting. Jack texts me uh, about my neck. Yeah, I, I kind of messed it up in Guardian a little bit again on the other side. And it's not great, but I can't do nothing until the season. I'm good, man. I ain't, ain't no issue. Uh, it, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's muscle stuff. It's, it's not like it's a broken back. I'll get over that. But, uh, thank you guys for reaching out to me. Thanks for everybody sending the pictures to me in, in, in basically venting your own personal frustration in what you're seeing. The, the, honestly, I, I really have to say the majority out there don't like what they're seeing and the only ones defending it are the guys doing it, which are a small handful and, and yeah, they have a big platform and they're big talkers and, and they go out there, but people aren't fans, man. And, and, and that's something we should be looking at. Match directors, bring it back. Give your gear restrictions and mix it up. If, if 10 stages have the same solution, change something. A gear restriction, a movement, a magazine reload, something like that. We shouldn't be going to events where we're doing the same thing over and over again. And, and, you know, like I said, we might as well just be shooting every stage off a tripod and, and just going tripod kneeling, tripod standing, tripod kneeling, tripod standing, tripod kneeling, tripod standing. You know, because if that's the case, what what's the point? All right? 
All right, guys, thanks for listening to the Everyday Sniper, uh, and uh, we'll be touching to you or talking to you soon. Cheers.